the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. Now, he was a cupbearer, and he's serving the, king, the king's wine. That means you would have tasted it and said, it is fine, king, have a drink. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. But he drank the wine to give to the king and was looking sad. That's not good business. Do you realize what is happening? Right now, if you're supposed to test to see if people want to poison the king, and you drink some wine and look sad and want to give the wine to the king, trouble daddy. Right? Right. So follow what happened. See, I, he said, I have never before appeared sad in his presence. It, I, could, I could stop right here and preach. Because now this king, he's not a type of Christ. But, and, but, but understand this. That the principle from it is that when you go before the king of kings, your countenance is important. Nehemiah said, I had never been sad before the king. That is why the scripture says, come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Speaking of our king of kings. He said, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. I, I think the king was saying, hmm, I want to taste something in the wine. And you don't want to tell me, because you, you don't look like you're sick, you know. Basically, I won't go on with the wine where y'all give to me. Alright, watch this. Then I was terrified. So Nehemiah said, Whoa, I was so afraid. You know, I jeez, what do I do? He was terrified because he's a king cupbearer. But I I replied, I like what he said. Long live the king. No man, he's like he must say, Yo, king, everything good, man. No man, no man, no poison today. We are talking about king, nobody do me nothing, no man, everything good. Right? He says, how can I not be sad? And then he explained. He says, For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said, Well, how can I help you? When you go before the Lord and you express to God Almighty what's happening with you and you're a servant of the Lord God Almighty. Here's what God says to you. How can I help you? I like that. Can you imagine the king of kings says to you when you're going to his presence, how can I help you? Then he says, with a prayer to God, of the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, says making requests, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Then he says, the king with the queen sitting beside him asks, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. So, you know, he had a time frame in which he was going to be working with. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, so first thing he asked for was time off. Then he said, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the provinces west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territory on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams 
for the gates of the temple, fortress for the city walls, and for a house for myself. I love that. Man said, what? The king says, hey, how can I help you? The man said, alright king, me need this. Me need this. Hey king, me need, me need some stuff to build at the temple. Me need some stuff to build gates at the church. Me need some stuff to put on the roof of the church. And while you're at it, give me some stuff to build my own house. I, I like, I like Nehemiah. I like, I need to take this prior. You understand me? He said, and the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the, of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letter to them. It means that they didn't do him anything because he had the king's letter. The king, I like this part, the king I should add, he said, just that you people in Jamaica, church on the rock would know. I got some additional stuff. So let me tell you what happened. Many of you need to ask them things here. You know. But the king had sent along army, officers, and horsemen to protect me. He said, the king I might add. I might add. You know, you know what I mean? Many of you really want no additional security. But just because. I'm favored by the Lord and the gracious hand of the Lord is on me. The king just give me some additional help. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thine word is truth. And we pray in the name of Jesus that our eyes will be open to see your truth this morning. We pray that our ears will be open to hear your voice. Our minds will be open to understand your word. And our hearts are ready to receive everything you have in store for us. Spirit of the living God, you lead and we will follow. Let your perfect will be done. And let your kingdom come in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Listen, I, I could just read that scripture and just talk from it and just walk out of here. And it would be enough to help us for the rest of the year, I'm telling you. But Nehemiah trusted God and he made himself available. He never lost sight of his dependence on God. And he was fully committed to doing his best for the work of God. And so God used him to finish his work. And that simply means that one man can make a great difference. You can make a great difference. You as an individual submitted to God can make a difference. I know it seems impossible because there's so much to do, but one person can make a difference. It was one Noah. It was one David. It was one Moses. It was one Abraham. It was one Paul. It was one Jesus. So one is enough to revolutionize an entire community, an entire city, and even an entire nation. Amen? So it really doesn't matter how big your mountain is, because Jesus says this, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and say to the mountain, Move from here to there, it shall be done. So he challenges us to exercise faith. And to exercise that faith in prayer. And we will see him opening doors and moving the heart.
heart of kings, as in Nehemiah's case, to accomplish his will and his purpose. When we begin to apply our faith, when we begin to pray in faith, believing in God, then things begin to shake and move. Doors begin to open. The hearts of leaders, the heart of the prime minister, the mayor, the councillors, the member of parliament, people in high position and places begin to move as we begin to pray and as we begin to apply faith to our time of prayer. I want to get this because I always teach this principle in the church. A lot of people like to pray but they don't like to obey. They want to pray the solution instead of add some action. We're going to get to that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to remember this. God not only wants us to pray, but after we have prayed, He wants us to obey. Amen? You see, faith is actually abstract and it remains dormant until we exercise it in prayer. It's abstract and it's dormant until it is exercised in prayer. Faith is ineffective if it is not exercised. Faith has no power if nothing is done with it and done about it. This was what Nehemiah did. And he saw the power of prayer. Because one person can make a big difference if that person knows God and trusts in him. In fact, Mary uh, Gardner Brainard said this, I'd rather walk in the dark with God than go alone in the light. I'd rather walk with him by faith than walk alone by sight. And what that means is that too often we want to walk by what we see instead of what we believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. If you have to see it all before you walk and believe it, you have no faith. If you have to see a vision to fulfill it, listen, it is not a God-sized vision. If you can do it by yourself, you need a bigger dream. You need a bigger vision. You need a bigger purpose. If you don't need God's help, you are small scale. You think Lily, as Jamaicans would say. If you can do your dream, it's not big enough. A big dream, a big vision is one where only God can really accomplish in us and through us. And that requires walking by faith and not by sight. So last week, we saw how Nehemiah wept over the ruins of Jerusalem. Because he was driven by a passion for God's glory. He wept. But he not only cried. Have you ever seen something on the news and it made you cry? Oh, it hurt you so much. And it, you, you, you cry it, it, like it tore your heart apart. Anybody just put your hand up if you have ever seen anything. Not just on the news, but probably you heard a story. And oh my God, it was such a sad and depressing story. A- amen. Anyone? Am, am I the only one? Hallelujah. Did you do anything about it? But you pray, don't. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. These are the right people I'm talking to this morning. Because here's what. Every time in scripture, when the people saw something that they wept about, when they prayed about it, they also did something about it. 
When Moses saw what was happening with the children of Israel in Egypt, he got involved. When Noah saw what was happening, he built an ark and he preached to the people, he got involved. Every time people saw, when Jesus saw the people, he not only prayed, he got involved. When David saw what was happening with the children of Israel when they were going up against the Philistine, he not only talked about it, but he did something about it. Amen? It's time for us to do more than pray about what breaks our heart. Because that could be God calling us into action. So, Nehemiah didn't only weep. But he wanted to set things right. So that God's name is exalted again in Israel. And I know you're saying, Pastor, but we can't do nothing. We think, we think small me could do to change anything. I'm going to show you what you can do. To change it by the spirit of God. So we pray that we will be often moved by the things that move the heart of God. Nehemiah prayed because he knew that no one but God could have accomplished what was needed to be done. And, the, and, and then Nehemiah offered himself as the answer to the need of the hour. His prayer was, Lord, here I am. Send me. In other words, when Nehemiah saw what was happening, it hurt his heart so much. He said, God, oh, I feel it for the people. You remember, he cried for the people, but he cried out to God. He said, God... Send me. When you see the things happening, say, Lord, I'm available. God, what do you want me to do to bring change? And you know why? Because you are God's answer to the problem that's a burden on your heart. Let me say that to you again. The thing that is a burden on your heart that makes you weep and cry for people, you are God's answer to it. And it's not just to pray. It is to get engaged. Because God wants to use you to answer that life problem. God wants to use you to rebuild that wall. God wants to use you to get that person back to faith. God wants to use you to preach the gospel. God wants to use you to lay your hands on the sick and see them be healed. God wants to use you. That's why it's a burden for you. Because some of the things that you cry about, I laugh about. And you are going to tell me that I'm wrong. No, my emotions are different from yours. So you, you can't expect me to do something that is hurting you emotionally. That's you. That's why God laid it on your heart. So remember when you can do something, don't just pray. Because you may be God's answer to the prayer. So when you say, Lord, I'm available to you. How many of you are available to God? Come on, all the people are available to God. Put up your hand. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? Okay. Are you sure that you're not just available in theory, but you're not practically available? In other words, if God says, do something tomorrow, but God, Maria, you, 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 you couldn't. God, if you ask me that for tomorrow, you don't know things go already, God. You know, say tomorrow I work here. You know, say, God, you have to wait until Saturday and then the other man. I'm to you, God, man. Are you available? Are, are you really available? I rest my case. I want to ask you one more time. Are you available? 
love this church. The pe- God, the people are available. Lord, anything you want them to do, they are ready right now. Even if it means giving up the salary, they are available, Lord. Even if it means coming out of the house and walking the street and preaching the gospel, they are available, Lord. Yes, Lord. The money don't matter to these people, Lord. The job don't matter. They are available, Lord. Amen? I love that. <laughs> Alright, so, so let's see. We're we going to dive into this. So, on hindsight, we see that when God wants to accomplish a work, he puts people in the right place at the right time. We see that in scriptures. He did that with Joseph, with Moses, with Gideon, with Esther, with Nehemiah, with Philip, with Paul. And he does it with you and with me. So Nehemiah finally made the move. Or to put it more correctly, God opened the way for him to make that move. Nehemiah, he, he finally met the king. And it was the month of Nisan, which is uh, around March, April, and our calendar, but is the fifth month in the Jewish calendar. Alright, so that's when he met him. Right, that is in chapter 2, verse 1. He said, early the following spring in the month of Nisan. That's when he met the king. Verse 1 tells us that he heard the news. He heard the news. When he heard the news, it was in the month of Kislev, which was in November, December, or the third month of the Jewish calendar. Alright, so if you go back to chapter 1, if you're right there, it says, in the late, late, Awesome in the month of Kis- Kislev. Or Kislev. Right? So here's the thing. Between the time that he heard the report and the time that he took action, it took around four to five months. So Nehemiah was praying and waiting for four to five months. Before he did every art, he did anything. Before he acted, he prayed and he waited until God responded. And upon that response, it took some time. But he didn't do anything until God responded. He was disturbed by the news. He was passionate, no doubt. Something needed to be done. Surely. Yet Nehemiah waited for the right moment. He was waiting for the Lord to open the door and prepare the way. And he waited until that happened before it did anything. So it meant that for four to five months, nothing was happening. It would have felt that way for Nehemiah. Because nothing is really happening during the time. But something was happening. Nehemiah was praying and Nehemiah was waiting. And this is one of the distinguishing lines in the Psalms. It says, wait on the Lord. When you pray, you need to wait on the Lord. Here's what happened many times with us. When we pray, we go with an answer to our prayers. So we're not going there to hear what God has to say. We're going there to tell God what we're about to do. So we all 
already have the answer, so we don't need to wait. We just tell God and gone about with business. That is why Christian counseling is difficult. Because people will come to me and say, Pastor, I need to do some sessions. So wonderful, you're coming for counseling? Yes. Because counseling is very important. I say, yes, that's true. And then I say, do you have a plan for the word? Yes, Pastor. I'm getting married on the 30th of May. So, Pastor, can you fit in the sessions so that I can complete them in time for the wedding? You know what that means? No matter what come up in counseling, you are going married anyways. Therefore, you really don't need no counseling. That's what happened with us and God, right? Many times we say, God, what, what do you think, God? But deep down, we have the answer already. Nehemiah wasn't like that. Nehemiah waited until God responded. It makes no sense to go and ask God a question when you already have an answer you plan to apply. It's wasted prayer. So when you pray, you have to ask. Imagine with me, your son or your daughter walks up to you and says, Daddy or Mommy, can I borrow the car? That's the next thing you hear. They didn't even wait until you answer. And they, when they return, they said, listen, why did you go with the car? Well, I asked you. No, you didn't ask me. You didn't ask my permission. When you ask, you have to wait. Alright, so let's dive into this, right? So if you want to succeed then, here's what you have to do. You have to trust God. Meaning you have to trust God, you have to trust His ways, and you have to trust His time. You have to trust God's ways, you have to trust God's time. Because uh, uh, you don't know all things, and you don't know God's timing. So this is a challenge for, for many of us today. Especially when we have pressing issues before us because we want to get things done quickly we are in a fast-paced generation everything is uh the six letter word six s-t-i-n-s-t-a-n-t right i can't count so well but i think it's six letters right instant right so everything is instant we have instant coffee we have instant noodles we have instant messaging. We have instant everything. Just yesterday, I'm having a conversation with someone, and they were telling me, I mean, I was reminding them about the time when people used to grate coconut. Half of this generation don't have a... They have never seen a grater in their life yet. They, they have never seen it. I'm talking the real one with the board thing and the little thing with bend over it like that, and when you finish grate coconut with that, your finger them cut up. They, they never see that yet. Right? Them say some fancy thing. So they were saying, I was saying to them, everything has changed because right now, how life is, you can't buy the milk. You don't have to soak your peas anymore from Saturday. You buy the peas, it's half cooked. The milk is there. And rice and peas can take 15 minutes. In fact, rice and peas is so big now, you can go to Price Mart and buy it already cooked. And you can buy the planting. And rotisserie chicken. And they have gravy selling to you. Know. 
Yes, you can buy barbecue jet gravy, you can buy curry gravy, depending on what kind of flavor you want. Everything is instant. And what people say, no, me have got to do that here, man, because me can't bother for weird upon the pot. You know that there was a time when the joy of cooking was kids waiting on the pot. And you used to stand up for your mother and say, listen, if you stand up and wait, you're going to take longer, go sit down. But people don't wait for anything anymore. We don't like to wait. But waiting is a test of our trust in God. And faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Come on, say that with me. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. How God tests your faith? God tests your faith by putting you in the weight. And if you can't wait, your faith can't be trusted. If you can't wait until God works, you're going to end up like Samson. You're going to end up like some people who made some decision before God wanted them to do it and ended up in problem. So it is a test of our faith in God's ways and God's timing. So we are forced to sing the song. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So if it's a need, we say, why not now? Why, why I can't get my house now? Why I can't get my car? That's what driving society. You know why people are involved in chopping or scamming? Nobody can wait anymore until them grandmother and them grandfather go and leave the house with them. They don't want to wait anymore. Here's what I know. Listen, I want my house now. I want my car now. I want my kids now. I want my marriage now. Listen, and they're even buying their degrees because they want their degrees now. Listen, God is sovereign. In other words, he does not have to tell you anything or he doesn't have to tell you everything that he does. When the moment comes, or when the moment came, Nehemiah made his move. Because faith is one part. You have to trust God. But one part is action, or the other part is action. Because if you have faith, that is demonstrated by your action. The scripture says in James, that faith without works is dead. Faith is useless. If you have faith and do nothing, you have to do something about what you believe. If you say you trust God, then show that you trust God. Show by your action that you believe. Show by your action. So I ask you if, if, listen, are you available? Yes, I believe. I trust and know the scripture says I must make myself available for God. But if God wake you up in the morning and say get up out of bed and I'm going to send you somewhere. Here's what it does. But God, who going to send this to school? How am I going to do this? Listen, you have to trust God. And then you have to take action. Because faith without work is dead. You can believe all you want. But if you are not going to step through an open door. Then you are as good as not having faith. In other words, when God, when, when, when you're praying. And God opens a door. God, I want you to use me. God, I'm available to you. And you go to work and someone says to you. You know that I had a rough, I had a rough day yesterday. And then you say, yeah, all right then, well, I hope all things. No, 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 no. God has opened a door for you for what you prayed about. Now you activate by sharing the word of God. 
That's how it works. You have to be able to act upon the faith that you have in God. And I've heard people many times. They pray about things. And when they are supposed to take action. They don't. God opened the door. And I said, but, but, but God, come on. God, I never expect if you do it so soon. When I say i ready, God, I mean right, right, right. No, you know what I mean. I really know Jamaican thing, oh God. It's a Jamaican thing, you know what I mean. Right now. We have all of these excuses. So what you're praying about, God wants you to take action about it. In his timing. Because man is God's method. Man is God's method. Whatever God is going to do on earth, he's going to do it through people. We are God's method. So if you're praying for Jamaica to change, know that you're praying for God to use you. Have, 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 you ever, have you ever said, God, I don't have, boy, God, I don't know, what I'm going, I don't know how I'm going to manage this week. Because my pay finish, get it last week, Friday, and God, it, it finish. Lord, just help me because I don't know. All right, so you, you, you pray that prayer, and then, and then someone walks up to you at church and says, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. You're not fine. When they ask you that, you, you know what Nehemiah would have said? When, when, he walk, Nehemiah said you, when the king said to Nehemiah, how can I help you? You know what Nehemiah said? <laughs> All right. Let me give you the list, Papi. <laughs> hey, I want vacation. I want to pay with my vacation. Pack the suitcase. Give me travel insurance. And if anything extra, you just, you understand me, you just drop that in there. Too. So, so, so the next time you pray for God, provide for you, somebody asks you, how are you doing? I'm hungry. He starts, hey, you know, say, me hungry. You know, say, me don't know what light belong up here. Let them tell you to stop. I never that them I ask. <laughs> Let them say, no man, that is not what I meant. What I meant. <laughs> you know, but, but, but be careful that God will open a door for you and then you shut by the door. Walk through it. Amen? So if, 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 if man is God's instrument, then man must act. Because no amount of prayer will do. Man is God's method. Man is God's answer to the problem. You saw it through scripture. When David saw what was happening with the Philistines, he got involved. When Moses saw what was happening with Israel, he got involved. Esther had to get involved. We are God's answer to the burdens on our hearts. But not only that, for God's will to be done, we must make ourselves available for Him. You have to be available for God. So when God opens the door, exercise faith and step through it. It will not be easy. It wasn't easy for Nehemiah. It comes with many difficulties and struggles. So you're praying about the kids in Jamaica. God probably going to ask you to to walk away from your job. It's not going to be easy. I want you to understand this. That Nehemiah was living in comfort and luxury. 
He was the king's cupbearer. He was one of the closest person to the king. He lived, if the king wanted to eat or drink at 12 o'clock, Nehemiah had to be close. In other words, everything the king had, Nehemiah tasted of it first. The king in those times had the best food and the best drink. Nehemiah had the best life. He was okay, but he felt for what the people were going on. And here's what happened, people of God. Nehemiah had to leave all of that comfort. Remember the story said in chapter 1 that the people were in despair and the place was desolate. Nehemiah left the presence of the king where everything was comfortable to go in a place of despair and desolation to help people. It means that for you to rebuild the walls in people's life, you're going to give up your comfort. But here's how the church do it. You think like, we don't get it yet, church. All of us. Because here's what we do. We like to stay in church and pray. God, we pray for the people. God, what you really need, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We pray for the sinners. From the right, from the left, from the east, from the north, and from the west. And the sinners, them just stay out there and say, no, go on, pray. No, 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 go on. We'll stay in our church and pray. The people are over there waiting for us when we finish praying to leave the king's presence with the king's blessing to bring the people back to where they ought to be. In other words, the church has to leave the church for the walls to be rebuilt. Um, we must pray, we must plan, we must prepare. But we need to go in the highways and in the byways. Because that's where the people who are in this pier and desolate places are. Amen? We, we, we have to do that. Nehemiah had to give up all of these comforts, church. We must be willing to give up some of our comforts so we can administer to the plight of the people. It wasn't easy. So having faith in God doesn't mean everything will be fine. Because Nehemiah was afraid. And here's why servants are expected to present themselves well before the king. And not allow personal matters to affect their work. So when you, are, when you serve the king, you can't get your personal life involved. The, the, so Nehemiah's job was that like of the high priest. You remember when um, Aaron's son, Hophni and Pinar, they burned strange fire. And they, they were killed. You, you remember that story, for those of you who know it. You know that he could not mourn. He could not cry when they died. He was not allowed to. And here's why. Because he was God's representative before the people. And if he cried, it would be saying that what God did was wrong. So he had to not cry. He couldn't mourn for the people to see. He had to take his personal feelings out of his spiritual work. Watch this. I want you to hear me. Nehemiah was supposed to hide his personal feelings from the king because you're serving the king by drinking wine and eating his food to taste it. Nonetheless, the king still saw what was happening. Hope you get this in the spirit. Remember, Jesus is the king of kings. When you go before your king, even when you put your personal matters away because you're there to serve him, 
he sees you or personal matters and he still addresses them. The problem is that we always want to bring our personal matters to God and forget that we are there to serve him and honor him. We have to get to the place where we have to put those things aside and let God speak to them. Watch this, watch this. But to the, so his countenance must be cheerful when he comes before. He said, I had not been sad in his presence before. For all his time of serving, all his time in Babylon, this was the first time he was ever sad. But today the king saw through him and questioned him. And if the king is not in a good mood, even his life hangs in the balance. No wonder he was very much afraid. What is he going to say? Will the king understand his plight and entertain such a personal request? But the king says, what is it you want? In other words, God swung the door wide open. I love what Nehemiah did. The scripture said, and Nehemiah made a prayer to God. He, he made a, a prayer to God and he says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. And then the king answered him. How long do you think that prayer took? Probably two seconds. Maybe it was a, what you call a lightning prayer. It was like what Peter prayed um, when he was thinking. Lord, save me. So Nehemiah might have cried out. Ah, Lord, help me. You're not going to turn around and say at that time, you know, Lord, our Father, what in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, you got get... No, 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 no. In this time, he never had time to pray for four and five hours. I always tell... Say, say with me. Length in prayer is not strength in prayer. It's important to have long prayers, you know. But nothing is wrong with short prayers. I don't know why people believe that they need to pray long. I love Jesus. This is a Juliet, you know, in time Jesus said, Jesus just walked out and says, Rise up and walk. That, that's what Jesus prayed. You know? Jesus says, My son, your fate has made you whole. See, when we come, so we spend 30 seconds. So, Lord, use me. So, when we go out now, Jesus did it differently. Jesus said, he prayed for hours. Jesus prayed so long that disciples fell asleep. So when he went out in public, he prayed very short. We reverse it. We pray very short in private. Ha! Boy, you see what we come in public? Uh, we need to pray with somebody. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hey, God of Jacob. God of... And we call Jehovah this, Jehovah that. And listen. We spend one hour praying about something. So one person prayer prayer meeting that is two hours or one hour. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You say when you want to pray long, go in your closet. But you say when you come in the church, let us pray together. Meaning everybody's supposed to pray. Amen? Amen? Because you don't have to be long in prayer to be strong in prayer. So Nehemiah didn't burst out in tongues. And he didn't quote scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> I went somewhere. Um, I can't tell you where. Get, get myself in trouble. 
But we're going for lunch on the sister grace. So I said, for what we're about to receive, may the Lord name be praised. Amen. So they said, we're inviting Pastor um, Stenity, the pastor at church. You know, I don't understand why people give you a long introduction and talk about your church history, your life in preaching, to say grace. <laughs> thinking like, <laughs> thinking like, why you need my bio for me to pray before lunch? So, of course, they were disappointed because I just turned up and said, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord name be praised. Amen. And they were very surprised because they thought, they said, you finished? They said, yes. <laughs> because at that time, I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to eat. At this critical, critical, at critical moment like this, that's all we can do. Like right before you give an answer to your boss or before an interview or answering an examination question or visiting someone critically ill in the hospital. There is little time or change for Lent, chance for lengthy priors. Yet we desperately need God's help. Nehemiah needs God's help badly. He has no right of any kind. He was at the mercy of the king. He completely depended he is completely dependent on the king's favor. But who can move the king's heart? It is God who moves the king's heart. The scripture said in Proverbs 21 verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. So, so Nehemiah made a split second prayer to God. God responded as he always does. God showed up. Everything moved in Nehemiah's favor. He asked a leave of absent and it was granted. He asked a letters to the governors of the land between Susa and Jerusalem so that he would be guaranteed a safe passage and it was granted. He asked for a letter to the keeper of the king's forest so that he would be supplied with the timber he needs for the reconstruction and it was granted. Almost everything went his way and he was given a bonus. Something he didn't ask for. The king sent army officers and a cavalry with him. Nehemiah was not ready to go. Everything he needs for the trip, trip had been arranged. When God has sent you everything you need to do what God has called you to do, God will ensure that you have. Just trust him and walk by faith and you'll see things get added as you need work to be done. Every step of the way, God never starts anything Thing that he doesn't finish. He is the beginning and the end. And what that means is that what we are seeing is not God starting. God has finished it already. He just backed up so we can have an experience of it. Let me say that again. God has finished everything. In God's eyes, everything is done already. He just went in reverse for our purpose. Because of time, God comes in reverse to bring us through time. But in eternity, all things are done. God never starts anything until it is finished. Because it's the beginning and the end. He has to end it. Anytime you see an unfinished thing, God didn't start it. God didn't start it. What normally happens is that we start something and try to get God to join us in it. So we do a book called Experiencing God here at the church. And what it teaches is that God is the one who starts the work and we join him in what he's doing. 
If you want to have success, look where God is working and join God. My job is not to start a work. My God is to look for God and see where God is working. Jesus said it this way. I only do what I want. See my what? Doing. We are only do, we are only supposed to do what we see Jesus doing. So if you're doing something that you didn't see Jesus doing, it's going to stop halfway. Because God cannot start something that he has not already finished. Amen? Amen. So Nehemiah knew why. He knew why everything that he needed for the trip was arranged. He said it in verse 8, just in case people like us might be misled to think it was all his persuasive talk or good planning. It says this, because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. When the gracious hand of God is upon you, people will just pour into your life the resources needed to do the work that God has called you to do. Amen? So throughout the process, Nehemiah never lost sight of his dependence on God. All throughout the process, Nehemiah realized that man, I need to depend on God. Through it all, through it all. Uh, the, the song says, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. It is relying on him and depending. Depending on him all the way through the process. You don't start out with him and jump ship midway. Nehemiah is fully aware of his need of God's grace. So he was fully dependent on God on the one hand. And he was fully dedicated to the task on the other hand. He had a, a plan well thought out. So he was dependent on God but dedicated to the work. Say that with me. Dependent on God. Dedicated to the work. Alright, some of us are stuck here. Dependent on God. Faith without works. And then some of us are stuck here. Works and no faith. Nehemiah said, no, that's not how it works. You have to depend on God. And at the same time, you must be dedicated to God's work. Amen? Why? Why? Because being dependent on God does not mean we are free from responsibility. So you believe, oh God, I pray that you will, oh God, I need a job. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. God just opened the door, God. We can't bother with the, the hairdressing thing, God. We want a bank manager job, God. Oh God, so I'm believing you, God. That, that one of those big banks would call me and give me a job. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You need some dedication. You need some, go to college, go to school, go learn some stuff. And then, when God sees that you're dedicated to the task and you're believing, then God says, door will open. A amen? God, I need a job. Will you write a resume? No, sir, I trust God. Okay, go on, go on, trust. You apply for a job? No, 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 no. And listen, God can do that, you know. But here's the thing. Faith without works is dead. You know, you know why I take medication? I don't take medication because I don't trust God enough. I'm taking medication until God heal me. If you don't want to take it, don't take it. But I still believe. And until God says don't take it, 
I'm going to take it. You know why? You know why I exercise? Well, in a while I haven't. Pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. Go and get back. You know why I used to exercise? <laughs> because I realized praying for good health and not dedicated myself to proper health is face without works. I can't be praying for good health and eating Burger King and KFC every day. That is why I love sleep. Because sleep is a part of good health. So when people tell me, well, I'm praying that God will keep me. How, how, how much sleep you get? Boy, I'm mean, telling you the word, I can't even get sleep. At 24 hours a day, me work. Eh? The only person who never take rest, the Lord rests at this, is the devil. Because when the Lord built the earth and the world and everything, he says, on the seventh day, he rested. From all his work. If God can rest. So. In fact a person. Who is serious about God. Is, re- is a responsible person. It was obvious that Nehemiah did his homework as well. He had a plan. He was able to tell the king how long. He needs to be away. So he set a time. It could be an estimate. Est- estimate but he did think it through. He anticipated a difficult journey, so he asked for protection. He planned his resources and asked for the supply of timber. All these were done before he met the king. Nehemiah was prepared. Nehemiah knew what he wanted and he knew what he was going to do. He knew how much time it was going to take. So when he went before the king, he was prepared. You have to prepare when you pray. You can't pray and not prepare. You have to pray, plan, and prepare and trust God. They all work together. So he had literally nothing when he started this plan. He had no experience. He had no manpower. He had no resources. But he had God on his side. Listen, if you have God on your side and you don't have experience, God is enough. If you have God on your side and you don't have the manpower, God is enough. If you have God on your side and you don't have the resources, God is enough. But he was also determined. He was determined that with God's help, he would be able to do it. And he was willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. He was willing to do. He was willing to do. Because the smallest good deed is better than the grandest intention. You you, you understand me? Listen, a good deed is better than good intention. Good intention has never changed anything. When you're hungry, good intention not going to fill your belly. You know the thinking about it, gang? Yeah, man. The tag, you don't know the tag, tag gang? They call it thinking about it, gang. T-A-G. Everything... They are thinking about. I am thinking about it. You're getting baptized. I am thinking about it. You start praying it. I am thinking about it. When are you going to serve God? I am thinking about it. When are you going to get committed? I am thinking about it. When are you going to get a job? I am thinking about it. When are you going to go back to school? I am thinking about it. All of that thinking ain't changing 
action, action may not always bring success. But there is no success without action. So there was a young boy who complained to his father that most of the church hymns were boring to him. They were far, they were far too behind the times, tiresome tunes and meaningless words. He kept on talking about it, complaining week after week after week. One day, his father got so frustrated. Um, and he put an end to the discussion by saying, If you think you can write better hymns, then why don't you? So the boy went to his room and he wrote his first hymn. The year was 1690. The teenager was Isaac Watts. Now we have more than 350 hymns written by him. Among them are, when I survey the wondrous cross. And the same person wrote, Joy to the world. All this happened because his father said, If you come to church, and you complain about it, everybody is alright with it. If you have a problem with it, do something about it. And he started writing hymns, and the church started singing them. Do something about it. So, why don't you do something and cause the world to remember you for 400 years like Isaac Watts? So turn to the person beside you and say, why don't you do something? Come and look at them and say, do something about it. So next time when they see and they start complaining, you know what you say to them? When they have a problem with something going on and they come to you, what do you say to them? Have faith in God and do what you need to do. Alright? I, I, I want you to look at somebody and say it to them. Because this is in the nose. But I want you to really say it to somebody. Say to them, if God has placed a burden in your heart, are you know, are you know he has spoken to you about something? Do it. It's right there in the notes. Come on, one more time. If God has placed a burden in your heart, are you know he has spoken to you about something? Do it. Be as determined as Nehemiah was. Nehemiah was right. The gracious hand of God was upon him. But he got to experience it only when he takes steps to do what he needs to do. Because faith involves taking risk. But it is all worth it. God was behind the scene working in ways Nehemiah could not see. You see, God prepares what he needs. In fact, God provided Beyond what he asked for. He had extra army officers and a cavalry that were offered by the king. In the same way, God will provide for you if you trust him. And most time it is better than what you ask for. He will provide for you if you trust him. So if you step back and look at all that has happened. God is like 
this master director working behind the scene, putting all the props and players into position. You see that in history. He put Abraham into the Middle East. Joseph was in Egypt. Moses was in the wilderness. Daniel was in Babylon. Esther was in Persia and Nehemiah was in Persia. Not only was he placed in Persia, he was positioned into the Persian court, taking a privileged role as a cupbearer, placed closest to the king. God gave him this influential post so that Nehemiah would be able to request the king's help for manpower, the king's help for protection, and the king's help for the resources he would need to do the work. God put him in a place long before the work needed to be done so that he would have influence when the work needed to be done to get the resources that needed were, were needed. So God was behind it all. God is behind all history because that's his story. So do you know what God is up to behind the scenes of your life? Most of the time, only in hindsight can we tell. But we know there is no accident with God. It is no accident you are where you are and you are who you are. It's no accident because God uses circumstances to prepare you to accomplish his purpose for your life. Your present circumstances is a part of that script that God is writing. So don't curse your circumstances. I tell people, the scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. And it says, in everything, give thanks. It didn't say, for everything, give thanks. It says, in everything. So in every circumstance, you can give thanks. I'm not giving thanks for the circumstances. I'm giving thanks in the circumstances. God has you weary puts you for a specific purpose at a specific time. The classic line that Mordecai made to Esther was this. And who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. So God places you in a specific place at a specific time so you can do something for him. Nehemiah, it may be difficult for you to make the connection at this point, but in time, it will all come together. It always does. So trust him. And be determined to do his work well. You'll be surprised what God has prepared for you. Listen, I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you as we close this out this morning. I, I, want, I want to pray specifically for you. Because I believe that God brought us here this morning to speak specifically and personally to some of us about where our lives are at and where our lives need to be. Maybe you have been in the comfort of a palace and God is saying, it's now time for you to go and respond to the plight of the people. Maybe you have been praying about the burden and God is saying, it's time to pass the prayer time and act upon what God has said. Maybe you are getting frustrated in the waiting and God is encouraging you Continue to wait on the Lord until God responds. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, is there something you really wish that you would do for the Lord?
Is there something that you know that, listen, I, I know that God is pressing. God is impressing on my heart. God has spoken to me about this. I know that there is a burden. Maybe it's for you to get re-engaged in something. Maybe it's to get engaged in something. Maybe he's calling you into some form of ministry and serving. I don't know what, but God has been speaking to you. And you have been shutting the door of opportunity. I want to pray for you. See, he's a way maker. And God will make a way. I know, I know you don't know how it's going to work out. But he is a way maker. He's going to make a way. He made a way for Nehemiah. There was, listen. Nehemiah and the people had everything they needed for rebuilding the wall. God is going to make sure that everything that you need. Maybe it's a business that God is bringing you into and you feel like it's not going to work. Continue to wait. Continue to believe. Continue to trust. But like Nehemiah, there's a time to pray to God, the God of heaven. Say, God, I've, I've cried for the people. No, I cry to you. Come before God with a joyful countenance. Put the personal matters aside. And God will say to you, how may I help you? And then you begin to talk to God as you have prepared and you have planned. But if you're here this morning as a pastor, I know that God has been speaking to me for, ye- for years now, for months now, for weeks now. I know he's calling me to do this. To stop this. To get engaged. Here, working in this particular field. There, doing. God, I know, I know it is the Lord. Maybe, like Nehemiah, you're afraid. I want to pray for you this morning. So I'm going to ask you to jump to your feet if this applies to you. And God is speaking to you and say, Pastor, you know what? That's me. I know this is me. And I want you to pray for me. He's here, church. He's moving in this place. God is not dead. Come on, just lift your hands. I ask you at least on six occasions if you are available and you said yes. But available when and available for what? Maybe that's a deeper question to answer. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person standing this morning with their hands lifted. We admit, Lord God, that there is reconstruction, renewal, and revival necessary in our lives, in our communities, in our families, and in this country. God, you have placed a burden on the hearts of your people. Some of a burden for kids. Some of a burden uh, for marriages. Some of a burden for older people. Some of a burden for uh, ministry in the church and some of a burden for ministry in the health sector, the educational sector. So many burdens on their hearts. God, we ask you to forgive us because so often we have shut the door when you have opened it for us to step in and minister on the platform that you present to us. So forgive us, Lord God. 
But right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare that we are available and ready for whatever you want us to do. We are ready, Lord God. We are ready, whatever the cost. We are ready to give up the comforts as Nehemiah did. So that we can go into the fields and do the work that you have called us to. We come before you, Lord God, with joyful countenance. Knowing that you will take care of the personal matters in our lives. We thank you that you will provide every resource that is needed. Financial. Spiritual. Educational. Every resource needed to complete the work that you have. You will provide. God, we will not start a work. We will join you in the work that you are doing. So we step in faith. Come on, just with your hands lifted to the Lord. Today, I commit to walking by faith and not by sight. My faith is with works. Come on, just say, Lord, I will not only pray, but I will obey. And I will respond to your answer with action in the name of Jesus. So here I am, Lord, available and ready. Come on, just 30 seconds right where you are. Just begin to worship God and just sing songs of melodies and worship unto him softly where you are. And let the wind of the spirit begin to minister to you and speak to you, giving you a specific instruction. And Because man is God's method. And he wants to use you to rebuild, to reconstruct broken down places and broken down walls. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, 10 seconds more with your hands lifted. Just worship him. Come on, you are here. You are here. Touching him. I worship you. Come on, just lift your hands and worship. I worship you. You are here, change you. I worship you. You are here, touching Thank you. 